Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents Uh-oh. Sports Talk Saturday. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. On WGR. Oh, yeah. Sports Radio 550. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. It has been a while since I've been sitting in this seat on Sports Talk Saturday, and no better place to make my return to the weekend than at Batavia Downs with my man, Ryan Heisenauer. Ryan, what's up, brother? Nate. It's great to see you, my friend. Oh, thanks so much for coming out today. It's a little dreary out there, but you know what? There's lots of fun to be had out here in western New York. We are at the Legends and in St- in Stars Sports Expo here live at Batavia Downs. And listen, although it's a, not a great day for golf or you know some of your favorite fall outdoor activities, Maybe no greater day than to come inside, check out the amazing expo floor that you guys have put together here. I know you're on the floor, yes. which is different than usual. Usually you're walking around and doing 100 different things. Today, you're off, but not really. You've got yourself a table set up. Tell the folks what you got going on and, yeah. and kind of what else is on the floor today. And then, obviously, we'll get through to all the legends and stars that will be here. Yeah, it's a really great day, like you said, to be indoors. Uh, and uh, shout out to my buddy Chris, who's holding it down at our booth while I'm over here on Radio Row. <laughs> Radio Row. Radio baby. Row. Up Right. Here, where the autograph uh, guests will be coming up here shortly. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an apparel guy, right? There's a lot of card people here. There's a lot of uh, helmet, bat, ball, uh, frame jerseys, things like that. I'm, I'm trying to just sell, you know, kids' jerseys, uh, kids' sweatshirts, uh, men's and women's sweatshirts, jackets, coats, uh, all different teams, uh, Buffalo football included, but uh, even your other teams that are uh, NFL teams that are around. So I got a, a little something for every fan base. Uh, they've got that at my booth today, but uh, it's been great. You know, we had it kick off last night. This is a Friday, Saturday show this year, uh, and uh, we had a couple of the current Buffalo football players here last night, cu- a couple of great former uh, Buffalo hockey greats, Pat LaFontaine was here last night, Joe Bevereau was here last night, and uh, it was just a good time, you know, having a lot of fun, but we're looking forward to today, today's a long day, right, we're open all the way till 5 o'clock, kids 12 and under are free to come out, if you are coming out and you pay $10 to get in, you're going to get $10 back in free play, so it's like coming for free, you don't really have to, you know pay so to speak because you're going to hit that gaming floor i see the doors are open to the home stretch grill so you can pop in and get something to eat and then come back into the show uh my buddy and i are looking for uh josh allen rookies today we're looking for um cj stroud rookies Mm. you know nate something really interesting that i noticed today and last night is so you know they used to never have college cards 
Like it was always like, yeah, right. Yeah, your rookie card is your your, your first, first real stamp. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. So like, oh, I'm a rookie for the Bills, and so like I have my Bills rookie card. They got cards for dudes that haven't been drafted yet. Like they got cards for the QB from uh, North Carolina. They got the uh, cards for um, Caleb Williams. For I'm Caleb sure, Williams, yeah. yeah. Uh, the guy, all the kids from Colorado have yep. cards. So it's like. What is what is a real rookie card now? Like, yeah, how do right. you define that as a collector? So, I guess you know your rookie card is still your first first card. Your first NFL card would be the, whatever card that is. So, it's really it's kind of crazy. You know, card collecting and just all the refractors and the one of ones and the one of tens and this one's a purple burst or a pink burst. There's all kinds of different variations. So, keeping up with it all, it can be a little bit intimidating. But you know what? The the love of collecting and, and getting cards from your favorite players and teams that still remains. And today, you mentioned, you know, yesterday the lineup, but today as well, we're here till 5 o'clock. We've got Mike Richter closing things off today from 3 to 4 o'clock, and I know that's the one that's maybe most exciting for you. I'm going to be crying, Nate. I'm going to be <laughs> probably a blubbering mess. I'll be doing a lot of things today, including committing a jersey faux pas, which is I have a Rangers jersey with my own name on the back. I know. I'm here. Everyone booing. No. Uh, but that's okay across Western New York. But, you know, growing up as a Rangers fan uh, and, and a converted Sabres fan now, so, sure. you know, the, but the Sabres are the Rangers were my first love, and Mike Richter was my guy. So when I found out he was coming here, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh. I've got uh, ticket stubs from his retirement. I have all kinds of things uh, from his career that I'm getting signed here today, and I'm going to get to meet him and, and shake his hand. And it's just th – but – We've talked about this many, many times. I think specifically when my friend Tony got to meet Michael Irvin here and another friend of mine um, got to meet Rudy when Rudy was here. Oh, of course. Yep. And, Last uh, year. Yeah. And the the great thing about this event is you're getting access to these celebrities and these people, people who you watched growing up, people that you shared moments with your family, with your dad, with your mom watching, and you thought, gosh, when Pat LaFontaine scored that goal, when Gilbert Perot scored that goal, I was here. I was in the arena. I was at the odd. I was over here. You know, whatever it might be. And now you get to meet that person, and it's just, it's just really great. A lot, of, a lot of smiles on faces is what it's all about today. And I'm going to be the one with the smile on the face today. It's my turn. So Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> I was walking in from the parking lot, and I, <clears throat> just, ooh, I saw a lot of Bruins jerseys. And I was like, what? <laughs> Ray, Bork Ray Bork will be here, here today. Yeah. That's right, 12 to 1. But I was like, ugh, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, anti, I may need an antacid or something. I had a little <laughs> indigestion, uh, wanted to, wanted to to cough up my breakfast this morning seeing all those Bruins jerseys. There's but a lot, uh, a lot of Cowboys fans here as well today. Bob Lilly's on Bob stage. Bob Lilly, yeah, that's and right. Randy White's here as well, and then Anthony Miller's at 1130. So it's it's an early Cowboys day today. I see lots of stars here. Lots of stars. Yeah. And then later on this afternoon, we uh, at 1 o'clock, we'll have Vlad Guerrero Sr., Yes, who will be here? Who uh, Vladdy uh, was one of my aesthetically one of my favorite baseball players growing up. No gloves, oh, yeah, you yeah. know the the stance, the, all the pine tar, uh, just a very and and, and an Expos original. Yes. Um, yes. So uh, Vlad Guerrero Senior here, and then obviously we've got you mentioned some Buffalo football players as well. We've got Cornelius Bennett here from one thirty to two thirty. Shane Conlin two thirty to three thirty. Daryl Talley two thirty to three thirty as well. So a great lineup today for those that want to get here, get some stuff signed again it's ten dollars to enter but you get ten dollars in free play back so it's like coming in for free especially if you're already planning on hitting the floor before you head home after the event today so yeah, yeah. All, all in all again one of my favorite times of the year uh when uh, when my boss reached out to me you know a month or two ago and said nate hey batavia downs i know i know i know you're busy on saturdays <laughs> but batavia downs it's like Rudging to stars. All right, I'm there. Specifically requested, Nate. I'm there. He's the best. I'm there. <laughs> uh, I, you, you don't have to. You don't have to twist my arm to be here on a Saturday at Batavia Downs because it's a great place. Again, the the grill right over here has some great food. If you want to stop in uh, and you want to, you know, have lunch here and then head back to the floor, there's enough 
stuff on this floor, Ryan, to spend, you know, a good oh. half hour, 45 minutes, an hour just perusing and looking through all the great collectible items um, that each of these uh, vendors have brought in today. Yeah, I mean, and, and tr going back, I, there's one guy in the corner that's got nothing but, like, 1960s baseball cards. You know, so, like, people have little niche things are in. Then, of course, there's the guy uh, right up front uh, on the other side of the wall where we are. He's just got all the modern stuff. Brand new boxes, you know, and some of them are cheap. They're 30 bucks. Some of them are they're really expensive ones at 150 a box. Um, so you can try to, you know, buy those and, and get lucky. You know, pull a hit, as they say. You know, you get, you get one of those great chase cards. It's worth that's on a dough. And something else I should mention, you know, we talked about the sports stars. We have one celebrity here that's a non-sports star, although he starred in a quasi-sports movie. Martin uh, Cove will be here today. He's the bad guy from Karate Kid. And, oh, okay. And currently stars on Cobra Kai, which yep. is, of course, uh, one of those – I can't remember if it's Netflix or Hulu. I think it's Netflix, yeah. yeah. So they're streaming, and they're in, like, sixth season or whatever it is. And I saw him last night when he walked into the building. Uh, Brian from the Legend of Stars was walking him up to check him into his hotel room. And he was just talking to everybody, yeah. just a real gregarious guy, just really fun to see him. So uh, if, you're a, if you're a Karate Kid fan, you're looking to get something signed and you're, you're anything Cobra Kai, I guess, uh, he'll be here. So you can, you can meet him as well. He'll be appearing from 2 to 3 this afternoon. Plenty of time to get here. And uh, we got a fight on today, too. we got Tyson Fury's on today yeah, at 2 yeah. p.m. Uh, on ESPN+, Plus, which I'm sure uh, we've got TVs here. We've got college football today. All day. So you're not going to miss out on your college football fix, your betting fix. You can do everything you need to do right here while you're on the floor checking out whatever all these great vendors have and, you know, get an opportunity to meet some of your favorite legends and stars like Ray Bork. Larry Center is another former Buffalo Bill that will be here today as well from 12 to 1. So a lot of great legends, a lot of great stars. You can come say hi to me. Uh, and uh, Ryan will be here as well. Ryan, I'll let you go back to your to your booth, but Thank I'm going gonna, gonna <laughs> to need you to come back at a couple of points here to get some updates, but uh, enjoy, yeah. my friend, and thanks for having us here. We uh, we always love being here for the Legends of Stars. Absolutely, Nate. Thanks so much for being here. Awesome, my friend. All right, Ryan has an hour there, live from here at Batavia Downs at the Legends in Sports Expo, and uh, Legends of Star Sports Expo, that is. I want to, you know, we I, I mentioned uh, off the top there that, you know, this is my first Sports Talk Saturday back in a while. We'll have Aaron Quinn of Cover One. He's going to join me at 1130. We're going to talk some bills, um, and then Matt Perino as well from Syracuse.com. He'll join me as well at uh, 1230. So I've got some guests as I normally do on a Saturday morning and into the afternoon. But I wanted to get started with a recent report from ESPN's Jer Jeremy Fowler, who reported today that two AFC East names worth watching during the trade deadline. And he mentions um, Josh Uche, who is the uh, edge rusher for the New England Patriots. But the first guy he mentions as a guy to look as a potential trade target out of the AFC East with the trade deadline looming, Bill's second year corner, Kyer Elam. And uh, I Went to the game on Thursday night as a spectator. It was great. I haven't been to a game and got to sit with my dad. That was fun. Um, and during pregame, hearing that there was a surprise, uh, a surprise inactive, a healthy scratch for that game, my mind immediately went to Bill's corner, Kyer Elam. And, and listen, you know, at, at this point, it's, it's hard to sort of overstate the failure that has been that pick, you know, obviously trading up last year in the first round to select Kyer Elam out of Florida, uh, a lot of expectations, a lot of 
this is going to be the number two corner on the other side of Tredavious White for the next who knows how long. And obviously, you know, Tredavious goes down with the Achilles injury this year, which it's, it's hard to predict uh, an injury like that happening. And you were hoping that Kyrie Lim was going to get a chance to step up um, and sort of take that spot moving forward. And, um, you know, he was, starts the season on the inactive list and, and doesn't even get a game day jersey with Tredavious White, Dane Jackson, and, of course, Christian Benford, who, by the way, played a heck of a game on Thursday night, maybe his best game as a pro. So overall, the level of disappointment uh, can't really be overstated that a guy you traded assets up to get in the first round, um, A, can't make the game day roster when your top corner is out for the season, and you have Josh Norman. And this is, this is not a shot at Josh Norman. Josh Norman's got a great career. He, whenever he decides to hang it up, uh, people will remember the name Josh Norman for the things he was able to do with Sean McDermott in Carolina. But let's be honest here. This is a 35, 34-year-old corner, a street-free agent a couple of weeks ago, walks in, and two weeks after getting acclimated with the team, is starting, or not starting, but in the lineup over Kyer Elam. Uh, that, that, to me, is a, is a huge, huge failure on behalf of the franchise. And, and we'll talk more about this with, uh, with Matt Perino as well, who, who is a beat reporter for the team and, and has been in the locker room and, and kind of understands the dynamics there. And, and here's what his teammates have to say about him. And here's how this coaching staff talks about him. So we'll, we'll talk about that with, with Matt Perino, obviously, at new, at 12.30. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this, too, with, with my man Aaron Quinn. I just, to me, it is an absolute failure on, on behalf of this organization that they have not been able to at least get him to the point where he's able to be a game day roster spotted guy like he, he's and what you could expect for him to, to get on the open market is it, it, tough to know uh, you know and, and this is again just a report from Jeremy Fowler uh, just as a name to watch that both players have Gardner trade interest what that means what kind of potential return you're looking at um, I think are all really interesting topics of discussion again that we'll talk with Aaron Quinn at 1130 and Matt Perino at 1230 as well but um, it, it, it's it, it's been a remarkable sort of turbulent start to the season for this defense um, you know coming in in week one uh, looking like maybe they could be one of the more dominant defensive units in the league. Leonard Floyd looked like such a great free agent pickup for them. You were kind of waiting and biding your time for Von Miller to get back from injury, who hasn't really quite hit his stride yet. I still think he's sort of working through trusting that knee and um, feeling like himself again. So, you know, they're, they're kind of easing him back into He played six snaps two weeks ago, but was a larger part of the game plan last week, which was good to see. Um, obviously, we were Everyone's sort of hoping to see that next step from, from Gregory Rousseau, which I think we've seen. Um, may not really reflect in the sack numbers, but has been, a, I think, a constant on this Bills defensive line. And then, you know, you look at the other side, Christian Benford, his first full season as a starter. Now that, you know, it, it was very obvious he was going to take the starting position. I think he's really coming into his own now. you got the safeties, both Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back healthy. And then, you know, we get the injury in the, in the Dolphins game. And back-to-back weeks, you get the Dolphins where – the defense puts on an absolute clinic, puts together the blueprint on how to slow down what was at the time the league, the league's best offense, and, and no one was really able to slow them down. The Bills hold them to 20 points, and you know whatever, however long was left in that game, a couple of minutes left in the fourth quarter, you know, um, Tredavious White goes down with a non-contact leg injury, and it's later revealed that he tears his Achilles tendon and is out for the season. Then in in London, obviously the the Bills lose in the first quarter on the third play of the game on third down. And, of course, ironically, on a play that Daquan Jones just absolutely blows the play up and makes a great play and gets a stop on third down to force a punt, tears his pectoral muscle out for the season. The next drive, Matt Milano breaks his leg, presumably out for the season. Both at least are on IR with the, with the opportunity to maybe be reactivated towards the end of the season. But 
you know, just with all of what I think the hopes and dreams were for this defense, both internally and externally by the fan base, and I think what this team thought they had in, um, at least in, in my opinion, at least what they thought they had uh, going into the season at the on the defensive side of the ball. It, it's got to be disappointing if you're Sean McDermott, if you're Brandon Bean, but like I think this is your opportunity to try to develop this guy. You know, you, you weren't going to necessarily rely on Kyer Elam with Christian Benford taking the number two corner spot and Tredavious White starting the season looking to make his sort of return back to greatness. And Tredavious White goes down, Dane Jackson goes down, and, and in that London game you have Kyer Elam starting on the other side of Christian Benford, both, by the way, 2022 draft picks. Um, it, it's surprising to me to see that this franchise has not been able to figure out a way to, to get the most out of him. It, it's something... There is something to be said. It's it, To me, it's always been a little weird, the narrative and the conversations and the tone in which these coaches, whether it was Leslie Frazier last year, whether it's this year a couple of times um, after the, the disappointing loss in London, uh, hearing Sean McDermott, I think, speaking in a tone that was a little, to me, critical of Kyrie Elam and his play in that game as, as sort of hasn't been a guy that's been in the lineup and was thrusted in the starting lineup. And, you know, there was certainly no excuses on the side of Sean McDermott for the struggles of Kyrie Elam in that game covering what is one of the league's better route runners in Calvin Ridley. But, yeah, it's, it's quite a conversation. I'm sure this won't be the last time that we hear Kyrie Elam's name in coming up in these conversations and trade talks as the trade deadline approaches next week. And, you know, whether the Bills use Kyrie Elam to flip to go and get another player or flip to just get draft capital, um, I would think the Bills, if they're, if they're going to be trading a former first-round pick, they're going to be looking for a player in return, whether that's somebody on the defensive side of the ball, whether um, that's them looking to add to the wide receiver room, which, you know, after Thursday night, I think a lot of the conversations and concerns around whether this wide receiver group would, would, would be able uh, to sort of fill in the gaps with, um, you know, Dawson knocks out now with injury, uh, was placed on IR this week with a wrist injury and, and wrist surgery. And, you know, obviously Khalil Shakir, who, again, Aaron Quinn, when we have him on 1130, has sort of been pounding the drum for Khalil Shakir, really dating back to the offseason, thinking this was a guy that was going to take the next step. And, you know, it would have been kind of quiet as this team runs 12 personnel, the third highest rate in the league. Um, and obviously now with Dawson Knox injured, they really transitioned back to the 11 personnel that we've sort of come to know from this team, the identity of this offense since Sean, uh, since um, uh, Josh Allen has taken over as a starting quarterback. 11 personnel has sort of been their, their personal identity. And going back to that and seeing Khalil Shakir go for 6 for 92, seeing you know Gabriel Davis have the type of game where it wasn't just a guy that they were relying to get down the field on those 50-50 jump balls or sideline balls, but he was running shorter routes, um, you know, giving Josh Allen some options. And obviously the, the evolution of, of Dalton Kincaid over the last two weeks, 13 catches over 100 yards and a touchdown the last two weeks and really kind of coming of age um, his rookie season. And, and obviously a lot of the conversation about Dalton Kincaid is, you know, can he and Dawson Knox coexist on the field at the same time? And now Knox out with injury, you know, he gets out there and, and on all 40 plays that he runs, he runs a route on. So he is clearly a large part of this passing offense. So you've got Shakir, you've got, and obviously you have Stephon Diggs, who is having a career year right now for this Bills team. Another nine catch game um, on Thursday night for 70 yards. And, and it's a guy right now that is pacing towards historic records um, for this Bills franchise, but for him himself, um, who, you know, is one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in football right there with Justin Jefferson and, and Tyree Kill, in my opinion. And, you know, I think for me, I don't know that you want to necessarily tinker with the wide receiver room right now. I think if you asked me two weeks ago, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, I think both guys would, would make sense for this team. But I think where they are right now, I, I think you kind of like 
what you have um, in your wide receiver room. And that goes without saying that you also have Deontay Hardy, a guy that they'd paid in the offseason. Well, I would like them to see get a little bit more playing time and, and some more manufactured touches in this offense because I think he's a guy that is maybe their twitchiest athlete on the roster. And you can sort of see it when he gets in, the, in punt returns and obviously a couple of those called back on penalties on Thursday night. But he makes that play two weeks ago in that Patriots game where he takes a little dump-off pass, makes one move, makes a guy miss. And I think for me, he's the, he's the twitchiest, he's the quickest athlete you have in the team, and I'd like to see more manufactured runs. So as I say this, I just named five or six pass catchers on this team that are playing good football. So, again, I think if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, is the right move for this franchise to make um, going out there and, um, and, and, and making a move for a receiver, I would tell you that was probably my primary focus was going out there and, and making a move for a wide receiver. The problem now for me is I think you've got numbers and I think you've got bodies that you don't necessarily want to push down the lineup. So if that's the case and you don't want to push a guy like Khalil Shakir down the lineup, you don't want to push a guy like Deontay Hardy down the lineup, then what do you do? And, and I think for me, the, maybe the focus goes back to this interior part of the defensive line, which going into the season, I think you felt very good about. Daquan Jones obviously starts the year playing like an absolute all-pro. I mean, if you look at the advanced analytics on Daquan Jones, he was playing the best football of any one technique in the league. He gets injured. Obviously, you missed uh, Ed Oliver two weeks ago against the New England Patriots. In that, you felt the presence or lack thereof of Ed Oliver. He misses that game, and, and I thought the, the Patriots were really able to have their way with this Bills defensive line. And he comes back last week in a limited capacity, um, but but looks the part. I mean, Ed Oliver right now is probably this team's best interior I mean, not probably. He is their best interior defensive line with uh, defensive lineman without Daquan Jones in the lineup, but you know, Tim Settle and, and Puna Ford, who, who has, I think, been putting some good reps on film the last couple of weeks, especially in the run game, um, maybe interior defensive line makes sense for a move for the Bills. Maybe adding a corner. If you're going to trade Kyrie Elam, um, I don't love the depth you have behind Dane Jackson and, and, and Christian Benford if one of those guys were to get injured. And, and I think you sort of have to assume at this point with the injuries this Bills defense has taken that you know you, you don't necessarily want to deplete your depth. And I think getting rid of Kyrie Elam puts you in a very difficult squeeze at the cornerback position if you sustain another injury. So I don't love the idea of trading Kyrie Elam. He's got three years left on his deal. Unless, unless there is something personal here that I'm missing because it does feel like this, like, like he's done something. It, I, don't, I don't know. Like I, it's hard for me to even speculate, but if they're going to trade and, and potentially sacrifice the depth at one of the most important positions on their defense that they're already sort of lacking that depth in, um, I just have to wonder what it is Kyrie Lim did to put himself in this kind of doghouse where they would rather hurt their own you know, sort of long-term depth play at the cornerback position by just cutting bait and getting rid of him. And, and what they ultimately get for Kyrie Lim will also be telling, too. If they, you know, move Kyrie Lim for a seventh-round pick or a sixth-round pick, that's the Bills just cutting bait and getting rid of him. So um, a lot to be made over the next week or so as the trade deadline nears. We're going to take a timeout here. I'm Nate Geary. I'm live from the Legends and Stars Sports Expo at Batavia Downs here in Batavia right off the 90. Um, we'll have Aaron Quinn of Cover One joining me next to talk Bills, we'll talk higher Elam, we'll preview this week's game, Sunday Night Football, Bills at Bengals, it should be a doozy. So keep continue listening here on Sports Talk Saturday Live from Batavia Downs here on WGR. Call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Looking for somebody. Throws it back across the middle. Look at Kane. Waltzes into the end zone for his first touchdown as a Buffalo Bill. 22 yards, Allen to Kincaid. All right, welcome back. You hear Chris Brown there on the call from Thursday night. Dalton Kincaid's first touchdown as a Buffalo Bill. Nick Erie here live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. We've got a bunch of stars on stage right now. Some Dallas Cowboys, Bob Lilly and Randy White on stage until noon. And then 11.30 here, Anthony Miller. Uh, and then Ray Bork at noon, a Boston Bruins legend. Let's go to the Wester Hotline because my man, Aaron Quinn of Cover One, joins me now live to talk some bills. We'll talk a little bit about that Buccaneers game, put a bow on that bad boy, and talk about this upcoming matchup. But first, Aaron, I wanted to bring up a report, not that I think this is a surprise at this point, my friend, but Jeremy Fowler of ESPN talking about the Bills corner Kyra Elam and Patriots pass rusher Josh Uche as two players that have garnered some trade interest over the last couple of days and guys to watch out for. I, don't, I guess my, my question to you, Aaron, to start this thing is, uh, what to you has sort of gone wrong with this Kyra Elam thing, this relationship? Because it, it really looked doomed from the beginning, really from the time that Christian Penford takes his position uh, in training camp with no Tredavious White last year, a six-round pick. Um, it, it, this is, a, a, you know, not to be maybe overly dramatic about it, but a pretty disastrous pick for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Uh, this one was a tough one for me come draft. Uh, Eric Gregg and I were all there live for this draft, and, we knew cornerback was going to be a position of need, right? You come off 13 seconds. Uh, you have corners like Levi Wallace and Trey White recovering yeah. from an injury. But it was la- lacking athleticism. And I think everybody associated, hey, we need a more of a speed corner that we can do some more things, have more of those tools in our bag. And so you knew they were going to prioritize cornerback in this draft. I think everybody that was covering it was that's where we looked first. Uh, Kansas City gets Trent McDuffie early, and I do think, um, as much as people don't want to hear, and I, I don't have any information outside of just speculation, but I think it forced the Bills' hand to draft for need instead of to their board. And I, I think it's a good draft lesson that we get in trouble when you go for need a little bit instead of sticking true to your board because I know a lot of smart people. I'm not a draft expert. I have opinions on it. Um, Kyer wasn't a first-round grade for me. He wasn't a guy that I had as a first-round guy. I actually – like Cam Taylor-Britt a little bit more even than Kyrie Elam, especially as a fit for this defense. But some people had him right there at the end of the first round, second round guy. And I think the Bills might have jumped a little bit to go get him in fear that there wasn't going to be anybody left. And thinking that that athleticism, we can get him in the building. We have good coaches. We can get him in here and do it. And then another part of this is um, 
as a fan perspective, we don't get to see what happens in practice. And I know that people, you know, see some stuff in the game, but practice matters and building that trust in coaches is going to matter. And so even if a player maybe is a little less athletic and presents maybe a little less versatility, if a coach trusts them to fit and do their job within the scheme, that is probably going to win out more times than not. Um, Whether fans want to hear that or not, if they don't trust in the scheme, that's whatever. But NFL coaches, their job's on the line, too, every time they put guys out there. And so they want guys they can trust to be in position. That's sort of the problem we're having right now at linebacker with a Dorian Williams. Dorian Williams Williams is super athletic. I think he presents a lot of tools that we would like at that position, but the trust isn't there, and you're seeing them pull back on that. And so I think it was just a mix of those things. And then – Christian Benford is a guy you can trust, and he is playing yeah. pretty well. He makes mistakes still, too, but when it comes down to it, the mistakes he's making is in not being where he's supposed to be in the scheme. You know, More times than not, he's in position to make the play that the coaches want him to. Yeah, and, and I love the point, too. And, and listen, I, I guess I wonder how difficult this is for a player that's drafted with the expectations of being a first-round pick for a franchise that's in a, in a Super Bowl window. And I, I don't know how much you believe that confidence plays a role in, in a position like corner. You know, people talk a lot about it as, like, you, you got to have maybe the quickest memory of any position in sports because, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's almost like baseball and the idea that, you know, that some of the best hitters um, to ever play will hit three out of ten balls, right? So that means it's yeah. a 70% failure rate. And I think the same thing kind of goes with cornerback in the NFL is when you're playing Devontae Adams, when you're playing Stephon Diggs and Tyree Kill, you aren't going to hold these guys to, to no catches. And, you know, even when the Bills do play, and, and you've mentioned this a few times, that the Bills play Tyree Kill maybe better than any um, you know, any any team in the league the last couple of years. Sean McDermott has found ways to slow down Tyree Kill short of, you know, 13 seconds. But, um, you know, I, I think for me, Aaron, is I think confidence also plays a big role in this. And I don't know that they've really done everything they could to give this kid the confidence required to go out there and play the game. And, you know, again, I think you're, you, you make a good point about we're not at practice, and I think that's difficult to really quantify is what he looks like in practice. And you don't get necessarily the eyes you want to see. But, but man, really from the beginning, having Christian Bedford start week one over him, a six-round pick the same year he was drafted, it almost seems like you're starting from negative. And, and it's just a tough position to me anyways to start that from that perspective from a confidence level. I do think confidence plays a huge role in playing cornerback. One, I think – uh, cornerback's probably one of the most difficult positions to play in the modern NFL, right? The rules are totally lined up against them. Uh, just the position in itself. The receiver knows what they're going to do. You have to play them, and they're, they're trying to do everything they can to trick you out of it. And so receptions are going to happen, even the best corners in the world. I know people get frustrated, uh, especially in this Bills defense, right, where you're playing a lot of zone. The whole idea is to keep things in front of you and wrap up and tackle receptions are frustrating, but they don't matter as much. You're expecting that the team isn't going to be able to put together 12 play drives, right, and continue to do that. So being able to bounce back, like you said, I mean, that's probably one of Trey White's greatest strengths is he's gotten beat. You know, he's had receivers blow the top off a of defense, but coming back and be able to do that. But I think you're right, Sean McDermott, uh, one of my frustrations last year is the season was uh, wrapping up and they were heading into the playoffs. I actually saw some pretty good play out of Kyrie yeah, Elam right. and thought that we needed to, you know, put him in spots to let him fail to get that confidence for him. Uh, so that definitely plays a part in it. Um, but I don't think I think Bills fans have a bit of a misunderstanding of the Bills don't play rookies and they won't do that. 
Kyrie Elam is more of an outlier in this situation, I think. This team is littered with young players that they have let go out there and play and have let make mistakes. And one other point to this Elam thing is, obviously he was a man corner and a little bit grabby at times. And I do think you can transition a person like that into being a corner that fits this type of defense. But Trey White talked about it a lot in his transition. And I think even Levi Wallace spoke on it about Trey White of how much work he put into becoming an off-coverage zone corner and how much harder that is to play that sort of off-coverage and bait quarterbacks and play more space. It takes some time. It takes some effort. And it really um, isn't as easy of a transition as people uh, often think it is. Aaron Quinn here of Cover One on the Western Hotline talking Kyrie Elam. We, we, we don't have to beat this dead horse anymore, Aaron. I, I think everyone's pretty disappointed. I'm sure the organization is probably more disappointed than the For fans sure. are that they couldn't you know, sort of make this work. And we'll, we'll obviously see over the next couple of days and week ahead as the trade deadline looms what happens with Kyrie Elam. But you, you, you mentioned a point about Dorian Williams, and, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about what the evolution of this defense looks like now with, I think, the most three safety looks we've seen in, in the Sean mm-hmm. McDermott era. And when you go out and sign a Taylor Rapp, I think there was this expectation that you would see some more three safety looks. I, I was always kind of on the on the let's pause on that because this is a defense with Sean McDermott where it's not sexy. It's his scheme, and he relies heavily on his scheme. And I never thought three safeties was really um, – and even going into that Dolphins game, people talking about – you know what they might throw, what different looks they might throw at Tua in that in that Dolphins offense. I never thought they were going to throw a curveball. I thought that they were just going to play and do what they do best um, and try to execute better than the Dolphins did, and they did in that game. But obviously, the injury to Matt Milano changes things a little bit. And I loved what I saw on Thursday night on the adaptation of. Listen, you know, you mentioned Dorian Williams struggling a little bit, finding himself out of position. I think Tyrell Dotson's played better than he looked in preseason. He looks more at home. Mm-hmm. But moving into the third down, and instead of having Taylor Rapp play that sort of dime role, they've got right now Jordan Poyer. And through, I think, that first game of really seeing it a little bit last week, but a lot this week, I think great returns. This could be a really unique wrinkle for this defense, Aaron. Yeah, I was with you when all that talk. Obviously, Greg Thompson and I do a show together, and he's uh, really likes the idea of that thick dime. And I pushed back on him quite a bit throughout the off season. And that I didn't expect Sean McDermott to come too much out of nickel. Right? People have been trying to pry him out of nickel for years. They believe in it. I thought the changes on this defense were just going to be the more aggression, which we've seen, and dialing up some blitzes and bringing more pressures. This hand was forced on him. I almost thought it was a win when we saw how good Terrell Bernard was playing uh, with Matt Milano in that now you don't even need that dime look, right? You have these two freak athletic linebackers that can do so many things. But to your point, Matt Milano goes down, and I think this was more of a um, break in an emergency because they don't trust Dorian Williams. He's made some over-aggressive pursuits, and so they're not trusting him in, in this spot to put him out there. And your point's right. Tyrell Dodson's probably playing a little bit better than everybody wants to admit, but he is still a more of a downhill, run-stopping guy. He's going to lack athleticism and coverage. So on some of those known passing downs, it does make sense. Uh, I do think it's a little bit of a surprise to me that it's Jordan Poyer in the box yep. and not Taylor Rapp. Uh, so that's an interesting wrinkle as well. It worked really well this last week. I think there's going to be spots in game-specific stuff that they do and bring it in, and I think they're going to have to with need, assuming there's no major moves at linebacker here with the trade deadline coming up. Uh, I do also worry that this is going to be something that continues to be something that good teams that can run the ball and pound the ball can yeah. really expose. 
this Bills defense, right? No Daquan Jones in the middle. That makes it tough. No Matt Milano. I love Jordan Porter, and I think he can do a lot of things. But I do get concerned. We saw it rear its head in that Patriots game of that team being able to just blow them off the ball and run right up the middle. That keeps your offense off the field. That extends long drives. That was part of the problem in this argument we're having of how does the Bills' metrics look so good, but their offense isn't scoring. Well, if the other offense is allowed to limit the drives that the Bills' offense is getting, it makes the margin for error on the offensive side ball so slim. And so I don't know when it's going to rear its head. I think Cincinnati might be one of those games that Kansas City can probably do that. some of that stuff. Baltimore, if we have to you know, play them in the playoffs, that's one that would concern me. So I think the dime look is coming more. I think it will be situationally used, definitely team-specific stuff. But they still have to find an answer for those downs where you can't use it, and you need to stop the run. Uh, and that's probably my biggest concern right now with this team is that kind of hole up the middle. Aaron Quinn here of Cover One on the Western Highland. Let's um, transition over to the offensive side, Aaron. And I, I think a, a maybe short of a full get-right game um, Thursday night, the, the offense looked way more at ease, way more comfortable, less pressing. Um, obviously, it only led to 24 points, but it, it, there, there is something to be said about a feel of a game. And I think if you watch that game back, there's a feel, at least this is how I feel anyways, that – that, that was a game that it feels like the Bills probably should have scored 35, 40 points. And, and maybe that's just kind of the next phase of this offense is, you know, maybe taking advantage of some more opportunities, maybe being a little bit more aggressive if you're Sean McDermott, um, going for one of those or two of those fourth down plays where you've got fourth and short and plus territory. But, but short of that, Aaron, it, it did feel more like the offense that we saw earlier this season than the offense we saw over the last three weeks. Yeah, for sure. I think – a couple of things really played into that this week. One, it was a shorter week, so less was put on the game plan. We've heard for a couple of weeks of Gabe Davis had talked about, a couple of people talked about maybe simplifying things and not giving so many options. And we heard Josh talking about trying not to think as much. I think being on a short week forced that hand mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I know personnel has been a big talking point. I think they've been good out of either personnel tempo to me was maybe the bigger why, and you've played quarterback before, being able to get up to the line of scrimmage and really take a look and see things and have time to make those adjustments. The past couple of weeks, that clock was running down as they were getting to the line of scrimmage, and you don't have that time to make adjustments and to see things. And even for Ken Dorsey in Josh Allen's ear, you know, Sean McVay has made a living of that for years of being able to get, get things set up and say, hey, this is what I see from up here, you know, attack it this way. And Dan Orlowski uh, and Eric Turner were both really pumping um, what was wrong with this offense was not having the correct answers when blitzes happen. And we saw that totally change this week. And so I think that's where the feel that you're talking about came from of, hey, it felt easier because the answers were there, right? So when they blitz, he's hitting the hot routes. We saw Shakir take a hot route for like 30 yards with run after catch because they had the correct answers in sliding protections. That's going to make everything look easier. Uh, the one thing I've been pushing back this week is I agree with you that I, I would have liked to see Sean McDermott put the ball in Josh Allen's hands on that. I think it was the second-to-last drive of the game where yep. they got to a fourth and two. Um, that's the one that is probably the most contentious one for me where I, I have that argument. But the Bills' offense stayed aggressive throughout this game. I they think did. there was this yep. idea that they didn't. Um, they took their foot off the gas. They were still pushing the ball downfield. They were still in spread. They were still in shotgun. And they were still, when able to, stay in an up-tempo office. When you start to have incompletions, the up-tempo office doesn't work because then you have to stop and everybody it slows down the game. So up-tempo is great when you're completing and everything's easy. 
But Tampa made some plays on some of those drives. They stalled out some things, and the Bills just didn't make some plays on some of those. So I think they remained aggressive, and I agree with you. I think the way the offense was playing, you could have put up 30-plus in that game. But the other team does get paid, too, and and they made some adjustments. They made some stops, and the Bills didn't execute in some spots. But I think they – the mindset for that offense wasn't we've got enough points let's just ride this out and almost to a like i honestly I hate to say it i would have liked to see maybe a little bit more running the clock in some of those situations and going with your run game and trying to just bleed that out because sometimes being over aggressive in some of those spots actually you give that team multiple opportunities to come back and score if you're not executing at a high level yeah, and, and I, I think, too, about tempo, Aaron, is I think it allows this offense to dictate a little bit more, too, because there's less personnel shiftings, right? Like, listen, I, I think one of the things I really liked about the Dolphins game plan was their rotation of personnel usage. They were really doing a lot and disguising and creating matchups. But I think when you go to tempo and you're not moving guys on and off the field, you're able to dictate matchups and if you like a matchup and you don't make a change of personnel the other team can't either so to your yeah. point it doesn't necessarily just because you go into tempo doesn't necessarily mean you constantly have to throw the football you can slow things down in those tempo looks get up to the line you know bark out a a, a call and then see a shift in the defense and then move your offense into the best possible play and that and that best possible yeah. play Aaron might be a a run play to 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 James Cook and and, and or a screen pass which we've seen a little bit more but I know the guy that uh, I'm going to let you have an opportunity to talk about here is Khalil Shakir because I know this is a guy you've sort of been pining for really since the offseason is a guy that's sort of ready to take that step in this offense. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, I, I just didn't really see it with some of the opportunities he was given, a couple of tough drops in week one. Um, it kind of felt like maybe this was an offense moving more towards Deontay Hardy as that number three wide receiver um, or even Trent Shurfield in a couple of situations. But I, I think it's very obvious now, especially after this Thursday night, that Khalil Shakir is this team's number three wide receiver and moving forward I would almost expect this role to expand a little bit yeah I've been uh, pounding the table for Khalil and it really uh, to your point about being able to remain in up tempo and still dictate a lot of um, guff goes towards Gabe Davis for not having huge stat lines week in and week out as a number two wide receiver but the type of flexibility these wide receivers have in terms of being able to block a lot of the stuff they were doing with Gabe Davis was Still, it is 11 personnel, but they were using Davis and uh, Kincaid in the same sort of ways you would use two tight ends and 12 personnel because Gabe Davis gives you that ability to come uh, in and rotate in on uh, motions and be a blocker and be that type of player. And Kalush Shakir gives you that, too. The reason I was so high on his usage, again, going back to the Kyrie Yom conversation, was when you watch the All-22, when you watch the tape, this guy's blocking his butt off. And the willingness to get in there and block, like, it's not sexy. People don't love to talk about wide receivers blocking, but it gives you that flexibility to remain up tempo and stay in and do some different things. And Sean McDermott preference that at one of the press conferences after, I think it was after the Giants game of needing to see guys be willing to take on some of those roles. And so seeing Khalil do that. And then I also saw him making himself available, which is something we heard Josh talk about with Kincaid and learning that body language between a quarterback and a wide receiver. And that was the, probably the thing that Cole Beasley did best, right? He was shifty. He got open. He created separation. But he constantly made himself available and put his numbers where Josh could see him. And Khalil had been doing that. The targets weren't coming his way, and that comes with trust. That comes in practice. But this week you saw it come that way, and he was the answer in a lot of these hot route situations. And I think that's probably the biggest thing the Bills have been missing 
it's not they've been missing Brian Dable as much. They've been missing that role in the middle of the field and trying to find it. And they threw a bunch of stuff at it, Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, hoping that Khalil Shakir would pan out. Even last year, getting Jamison Crowder, hoping Isaiah McKenzie would be that guy. They've been trying to find those answers. Even Dalton Kincaid was brought in to be some of that. You're starting to see it come come around here with both Kincaid and Shakir being those answers in the middle of the field. That opens up everything. And to your point of how it feels when we're looking, that's what makes this offense feel easy is if Josh has those security blanket answers and he can go to them, then you don't need him to be running around making those plays. Those are all extra gravy plays. It's the easy matriculating the ball and getting some yards after catch in the middle. That makes all the difference for this offense. All right, last thing for you, Aaron. Um, I guess – short of asking you what your trade deadline wish list is, it, it feels anyways, if, if you're sitting Kyrie Elam for Josh Norman, it feels like part of the reason you're doing that is you want to make sure that no injury potentially happens to Kyrie Elam. I also think Josh Norman mm-hmm. plays special teams, and I don't think Kyrie does. I think that's part yeah. of that decision. But I think keeping him healthy um, so that you can move him at the deadline is probably is, is probably easy ABC to get to that. Um, if you know part of this trade deadline is you're moving Kyrie Elam, are, are you looking at a, a draft pick swap, or, or would you like the Bills to maybe turn around and flip him for, for somebody that can help this team right now? I do think uh, Kyrie Elam trade is probably for more ammunition and draft picks, but I think it, it might be two separate moves where you move him out and try to go get a Dante Jackson type of guy or somebody that's out there. I really don't think the Bills are in the market of the bigger names that are floated out there, the Jalen Johnson, the Patrick Sertains. Those guys want big contracts. And I know I really don't – I'm not the cap guru. You'd have to ask uh, Greg Thompson. And he, his show on our network, Cover One Network, the Greg Thompson show, did a um, trade deadline extravaganza where he broke down all the cap ramifications of what the Bills can and can't do. Uh, I, I, it would be great if they could get Patrick Sertain. He's one of the best corners in the league, if not the best. I just don't see those types of things. So you've got to look maybe at the aging vets, the Dory Jacksons of the world, the Dante uh, Jacksons of the world, where maybe they've underperformed at their current team. But we've seen John Butler and Sean McDermott be able to get more out of less at this position, again, if people can play within the scheme. So I do think they're calling about that linebacker is probably another one that they're trying to address. I know the dime thing's fun, and they are doing that, but I I think they want a little bit more at the linebacker position so they don't have to revert to this dime look and be so light in the box. So I think those are probably the two positions that that Brandon Bean's calling around the league the most. And I think this week probably put a little bit of pumping the brakes on the idea of uh, DeAndre Hopkins or one of these wide receivers. Mm -hmm. I think the versatility of Shakir and what Gabe Davis can do when he's schemed open I think the Bills trust in that a little bit more than fans do, and, and so I don't think they're going to be as active in that market. All right, Aaron, appreciate you, buddy. Uh, if for whatever reason the people here listening don't know where to find you, where can they find you and all the boys at uh, at Cover One? Where can they find your work? Yeah, man, I'm on Twitter at Aaron Quinn seven one six. Arguing with you, people think we hate each other, um, know, but I'm awesome. still trying to get one more round of golf with you here before <laughs> it starts snowing. Um, and then, yeah, anywhere you search on social media, cover one, follow us on our YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts. Our guys are working hard every single week to bring out a bunch of content for you guys. So, uh, yeah, give us a follow, give us a like, all that good stuff. All right, buddy, appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll talk again soon, buddy. Hopefully get it around. All right, thanks again, Nate. All right, Aaron Quinn there of Cover One. I'm Nate Geary. I'm live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. Uh, I'll be here until 2 o'clock this afternoon, so stop by, say hi, and come get some signatures from some of your favorite athletes. We're going to take a timeout on the other side. Uh, we'll get to the 12 o'clock hour. Matt Perino joins us at 12.30. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR.
All right, welcome back. Nick, you were here live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. Currently, we've got on stage going into the 12 o'clock hour, Ray Bork and Larry Centers. So if you're thinking about coming in, stopping down, and uh, getting some autographs, checking out the, the vendor floor, now is the time to do it at the 1 o'clock hour. We'll also have some greats as well, John LeClaire and Vladimir Guerrero Sr., We'll hit the stage at 1 o'clock. And then the Buffalo football players uh, in the 1.30 and 2 o'clock hours as well. Cornelius Bennett, Shane Conlin, and Daryl Talley all expected here within from 1.30 to 2.30 on stage to sign your autographs. i got to take a timeout, reset. The 12 o'clock hour coming up next. Matt Perino joins us at 12.30. We'll talk more Bills. We'll talk more Kyer Elam and, uh, and get his thoughts on everything going on as well. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday. We're live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.